Uh, my guest today is a personal trainer and fitness influencer from Birmingham. He is featured on Men's Fitness Magazine, being a MyProtein ambassador, and runs his own fitness blog alongside his other social media platforms. He is a successful online coach and trains people all over the world, and he has the testimonials to prove it. Welcome, Azad Singh. Thanks for having me on, bro. No worries, no worries. Um, so what I like to do is just start right at the beginning of what, what it was like um, growing up. So what was it like growing up in Birmingham, quite a multicultural city? Um, yeah. Pretty standard upbringing, to be honest. Nothing really uh, too crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's a multicultural city. Everyone's, everyone's all good. I'm from Smedic. I don't know if you know Smedic. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too familiar with Down South, to be fair. Or is it just on the outskirts? Um, my geography of Birmingham is pretty bad, so uh, I don't okay. want to. I don't want to. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to butcher it. No. Um, yeah. you you share that you've shared like a lot of photos of when you were like in your teenage years and you were you were quite the skinny kid. Was that something that you were um like conscious of in uh, like a negative way, or were you okay with it? Because I know like from your fitness journey, you've always tried to put on sort of muscle mass. So is that something that affected you as a kid or? Were you were you happy with how how you were? Um, pretty deep question, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, yeah, it. I, I'd have to say it did affect me. You know, um, you know, all, all through my childhood years of playing football, I was really really active. Uh, both me and my brother were, um, you know, not just in PE, but you know, after school and in, I was in the cricket team and. I played for the World Dollar football team and training there. And so we were highly, highly active and whatnot. Uh, but we were always, as you said, on the skinny side. So mm -hmm. whenever I've kind of shared pictures of my past, um, you know, I talked about kind of beginning the gym journey somewhere around about 60 kilos, you know. Um, and when I actually started training before that, when I was in high schools, you know, it was even lower than that, to be fair. So um, it was something I was conscious of, but it's, it's not like, you know, I, I think you're too young to understand anyway and be that self-conscious in, in, in those early years. But um, there was definitely an aspect of, you know, I want to I want to put some size on and I want to actually feel good in my clothes, you know. Um, Is that so I do remember kind of, yeah. I, I do remember kind of uh, putting up a jam on underneath my trousers and that sort of stuff just so I'd look a little bit bulkier because <laughs> we just that skinny you know in those days man. Yeah. so um that the mass thing definitely appealed to me um having seen people like uh, my cousin or my chacha who kind of got me into training in, in a similar situation when they were younger about 16 to 18 and then kind of build up their frames that's definitely something i was inspired by um so that's kind of yeah it, it kind of gelled in nicely with the whole gym journey really yeah is that how you how you got into fitness is through like um through your cousins and stuff trying to emulate their physiques yeah yeah so um i had a chacha who's who's kind of our age so we just kind of called him my cousin but um he essentially did the whole natural bodybuilding thing before it was cool to do it on on kind of social media mm -hmm. so you know he was he was part of the crew where uh or the generation where you know, you, you, your pictures would get featured in magazines back in those days because there wasn't very many Asian or Sikh or turban-wearing uh, fitness guys out there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was very inspiring. So when I used to go and, you know, live with them in holidays and just go and stay over there for, like, a few days or a weekend or you know, even a week in some cases, I just 
pick little pick up little things how is he eating how is he training and we'd go to the gym together and you know we did the whole thing together um and it was definitely inspiring yeah that's not bad because you hear a lot of people who uh, go for the first time by themselves and it's like a daunting experience but I think um, mm. a lot of people obviously go in friendship groups and things like that and it makes it a lot easier so having someone um, who is there to like accompany you and your journey when you're starting off is always like something that's like uh, it's quite it makes it, it makes a start like a, a load easier definitely yeah I'd, I'd agree with that 100% the other yeah. thing that made it a lot easier for me was that I I, I kind of um, I built up a bit of a foundation at home. Yeah. So, you know, even though I was getting inspired by other people outside of the house, training actually started in house, where okay. um, it was my father who basically said, you know, you guys, it, it's all cool playing football and stuff, but I really want you to do this and I want you to build up your bodies, you know, I want you to build up your strength and your muscle. So, um, we'd always just be kind of like play wrestling and stuff like that, and you know, he wanted us to get stronger, so. He'd encourage us to do push-ups and sit-ups and squats and running up and down the stairs and, and kind of like a desi regime, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of where it began. It was all in-house. Yeah, like a montage from um, like Dungle or something like that. <laughs> I yeah, don't know if you're familiar that with that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, minus the mud. Minus, minus the, mud. the mud, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, do you do you have like a, a specific memory of like early on like your first time that you lifted weights or the first time that you've like done something in the gym that sticks out in your memory of like or, or the first time that you actually started lifting weights um, the, 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 I mean there's a local gym and, and anyone who's from Birmingham or from Smethwick will definitely know it's, it's called Harry Mitchell's that's where I started out Right. And um and there's there's one there's always one memory that comes to mind where you know when you when you're going into sixth form and you're meeting all these other upper people from you know different schools you've never met before and yeah, you know, you're just you're just making new friends and and there's this whole kind of um I don't know how to word it without sounding too uh full of myself. <laughs> there's there's a bit of an aura around people because you know, there's there's rumors that so and so trains, and there's rumors that this guy's really strong and this guy's really strong. And then I get you. Yeah, I get there was you. there were some people. Uh, there were some people. Uh, Tupper was actually incredibly strong, incredibly inspiring for me. Uh, and 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 one of the younger brothers, he, he came up to me in the corridor. He said, "Are you as I said, yeah." He's like, "Are you really strong?" There was like a. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but there's a bit of an aura about me which I would never have expected. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know that led to. You know, a few of the lads getting together and, you know, and we, we met just like that in the middle of like a science corridor and you get together and you you talk about training and, you know, you arrange it and you go to the gym. And um, it was the first time I ever jumped on a bench press, but never bench press before, despite doing tons and tons of push-ups. Oh, and uh, I was just all over the place with the bar, you know, I was, <laughs> I was all over the place. Yeah, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't balancing it properly. It wasn't, it wasn't touching my chest where it should be. And yeah. um, that, that story just that went around six months. <laughs> with the bench the first time I've been sorry go on yeah yeah so, so that's the, that's the memory man and coming back to six form to, to hear about how bad I am at bench press that just kind of uh, <laughs> it's a funny memory that I always remember <laughs> how far you've came since then eh? <laughs> yeah that's it man it's just uh, it's just reps yeah that's just it, gotta that's keep it. at it you know 
like when do you, so is that the time do you think you like caught the bug was there a specific moment where you're like right I, w- I want to do this because I know that you you had like the choice of architecture where you went to uni um and the, like and did that degree at uni and then sort of pursuing fitness full time so obviously like catching the bug would have been way before that to fully commit to it but when do you think like that um decision was like clear in your mind in terms of uh, the career bug would be completely different but um in terms of like training i would say yeah that's that's where it came you know mm-hmm. um like i said it, it started off in house so the, the first inspiration and the first the person to kickstart the whole process was definitely my father yeah um then there was external inspiration like my like my cha-cha and you know uh, a couple of the other lads from sixth form but it was really when i was in sixth form where things began to kind of take on another level because i realized uh, you know just going to the gym with other people that okay you can do you can also do this and you can also do that and okay what i'm lifting maybe isn't that good you know because this yeah. guy's doing this guy's creating his own dumbbells in the sixth form gym we used to have a, a tiny gym in you know six form and it used to have um it, it, it was kind of brick and block uh, construction in, in, in the middle of a corridor, a busy right. corridor. But most of it was just windows. So it's mostly glass and everybody could look into it. So whenever whenever anyone was doing their own session during a free period, um, it became like a bit of a spectacle, almost like what I'd imagine um, Venice Beach to be like. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone would, you know, get in their favorite, you know, gym clothes and, just just train basically so whenever everyone was doing anything crazy there was one lad who was one of my early inspirations um he used to i think our six from gym used to have done models to 22 kilos which was right. most for that was that was more than enough for people of that age you know between the ages of 16 and 18 yeah he used to create his own dumbbells using the free weights that they had and create like 42 kilo dumbbells or something and everyone <laughs> was just like it, it was definitely a spectacle so um I would say that's where the bug came for, um, you know, understanding how much I need to be eating and how much I need to be lifting, and that's definitely where it took another level because I could, I could see that I, okay, um, there's there's levels, you know, there's levels yeah. above where I'm at. That's a weird concept for a school though, like to have a have a glass sort of box in the middle of a corridor. Like, surely yeah. the insecurity levels would be sky high for most of the kids, like not even <laughs> daring to go in. To be but, fair, it was in the it was in the it was in the kind of the sports section above the sports hall. So oh, okay, okay. Um, not as bad as maybe I made it sound, but yeah. um, you know, it it was a busy corridor and there's definitely like people always like looking and who's training and who's doing what, you know. It was it was just it's just like that. And it wasn't like in a, in any kind of negative way. Um I think it, the the only best way I can describe it is you know, you've you you've you've all come from different schools around Birmingham or whatever, and you know uh it's just new faces it's just intrigue you know yeah, you're intrigued because i had friends from high school who also went with me to that sixth form and you know you carry on being being cool and being friends with them but you kind of already know each other and you know that if you train or not and that kind of thing but when you see like a new face who's also into the gym as much as you are um it's just that intrigue and it's that kind of like friendly competition almost and there was definitely a lot of that in um in those days yeah and then after sixth form, um, as we sort of like mentioned earlier, you you went on to uni to study architecture. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of you had like this crossroads of whether you're going to pursue architecture or go down the fitness route. And then how did you sort of come to the conclusion that you were going to um, put 100 percent into into fitness? Um, there definitely wasn't a crossroad. Um, no. That early on, 
I, I definitely wanted to be an architect. Okay. Um, that came kind of later on due to kind of circumstance and, you know, just, just also following through on my passion, right? Yeah. Um, but as far as uh, both kind of studies went up, kind of uh, they coincided they, they went together mm-hmm. i studied pe at gcse in high school i studied pe at a level um as we were doing those things i was doing other things on the side like football coaching i was uh, a football coaching course that is um you know even in sixth form we were we were kind of teaching some of the younger kids uh, as part of our pe modules um i also did the fitness instructor course there and then i did the personal trainer course kind of eventually while i was at uni so like, in terms of the education in both fields, it kind of just it, it went together really. It ran parallel, right. um, but it was it was much later actually when I decided you know I can um, I can follow through with my passion really and I actually make uh, fitness for full-time income. Do you think do you think you see any parallels between between the two as well as in not just educational wise, but like you going from building structures to building bodies essentially? Yeah, it's just plans, isn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just plans <laughs> that's it that's it whether it, whether it be for uh, buildings or, or bodies it's uh nah um i can't say i've ever thought about it i can't say i've ever thought about um things running parallel or any similarities um i wouldn't say so <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say something there right I, I think yeah. that's me just oversimplifying a very complex sort of uh, field yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um and then when you when you did pursue like fitness full time as a personal trainer, how did you go about doing that? You said that you already had the qualifications, PT qualifications while you were at uni, mm-hmm. and you did all these other fitness things uh, prior, like um, football coaching and things. But when you wanted to solely focus on being a PT, or was it a solely focus, or was it you were still doing other things in the background and it just eventually took over? What what kind of like transition was that? Um. So yeah, I, I, I was doing initially other things, um, but once fitness kind of got big enough, it, it did become full-time. Uh, the way it kind of just started was, you know, with social media, you're sharing your progress pictures, you're sharing the fact that you're vegetarian and, and uh, you know, that just, that just creates a, a bit of intrigue, right? So people were already kind of messaging me for plans and uh, getting a program together. And because I had the PT qualification, it was something I was... I was doing anyway. I was already training people in the gym, and I was already helping people online. So I thought this is this is this is a bit of a niche. Here. That's that's kind of what it, when it clicked in my head that okay, this is this is actually something that people want. Yeah. And uh, it it started off with me just waking up one day on on New Year's Eve, and just thinking like, okay, if I, if I actually want to do this, I just need to do it. And what better time than New Year's Eve, right? Because yeah, yeah. literally the next day. Uh, people are going to be very, very motivated to make some change with regards to uh, their fitness and their health. Definitely. So it just started with a Facebook post, believe it or not. And I said, um, you know, uh, you're going to answer these questions for me in the form of a, like a questionnaire. I'm going to try and create a tailored program for you, a, a tailored plan for you, basically, not even a program. Um, and it was something really cheap, you know. I think I started off at something like £30. Yeah. Um, it just caught on, you know, people were very excited by the fact that, okay, there's a, finally there's a vegetarian here who can actually help us. And, and somebody who's Indian and Sikh and is saying, um, like you said, it was quite relatable. That's how it was for them as well. So 100%. Finally, 
finally now there was someone who's a PT who's into their fitness and you know they've got the abs that everybody wants and uh, not only that but you know he's he's posting pictures of the roti and he's he's telling us that actually we don't need to eat the standard chicken and rice diet it is actually possible on a vegetarian diet or or including Indian foods you know yeah yeah 100% do you think that uh, when what time scale do you think this was because for me, you were one of the first people that I seen who was a saying who had the turban, had the beard, was eating roti, like you just said. Um, you, I didn't really see anybody else doing it. So do you think being, I don't know if there was like, if you had quote unquote competition uh, back then, but do you think it was, you were one of the earlier ones to get into like exploiting social media? Uh, exploiting sounds like negative, maybe <laughs> utilizing, yeah, utilizing social media to, um, yeah. to sort of get like your message out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to obviously sit here and say, yeah, I was definitely the first one. It's my idea. Highly unlikely that's actually the case, but um, it's a generational thing, right? So yeah. the, the generation before, like I said, with my with my doctor, he was, he was probably, I, I'm not actually sure, you know, there could have been maybe dozens like him, but mm. as far as me looking in a magazine and seeing a sink, and we're talking about how long ago now? it's when i was in high school so what 10 15 years ago you know um it i i thought he was kind of a quite unique in that sense and kind of like the first one or, or whatnot and then when it comes to social media you get that new crowd and then you know then there's something else like you know you can almost see that instagram's kind of maybe had its day and then there's new uh, social medias that arise and then there's, there's new people on there there's a new generation on there who makes it really really big and it's, it's just the way things work yeah um it'll be the next wave of tiktok fitness influencers yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and then you know maybe people in my generation are just going to think you know what i ain't got time for none of that because i definitely feel that way <laughs> you know so i think everything just has its phase right and um maybe i was in good timing i i, I will say that much because especially when, I mean, one, one of the early things, why I can say that kind of confidently is because one of the early things that I did to, you know, make sure is this, is this an area where I can actually, you know, do well, or is this actually something that people want? I tried to find out who were the kind of the big online trainers in the game at the time. I think we're talking about 2015 now. So it wasn't new, but online training, it wasn't new, but it was definitely a hell of a lot less popular than it is right now yeah you know um and and the two of the biggest guys i could find just didn't really offer anything in terms in, in the way of um not eating meat or in the way of tailoring things to indian cuisine you know yeah, and yeah. I, I, I thought that was pretty big um but this was this was someone who prided himself on on uh on being the world's number one online trainer whatever that means yeah and you know when you when you got a following of millions um you know massively established business and all of that that's that's great fair play to him but simple things like you know when you're trying to get my information and what i'm what i'm into and what my goals are you can't just simply have five questions and five questions which include your gender and you know if you want to build muscle or lose fat you know these these kind of simple simple things yeah. i felt like you need to know me a lot better to create a plan for me yeah um, for me to reach a to b and I also felt that there was just no help for Indians. So, you know, they couldn't understand roti. They couldn't yeah. understand um, some of the other elements of Indian cuisine. And 
uh, I just felt in that because of those things, it just wasn't tailored as or as tailored as I'd hoped, you know. So I thought there's 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 a there's a kind of a there's an area here where I can make it way more tailored, and uh, that's what I remember. Definitely, definitely. Because I remember when I was um trying to use my fitness pal to track roti for the first time. It's not the easiest when it comes to portion sizes. Like you yeah. you know for a fact that a roti on my fitness pal is probably not accounting for how much butter your mom's put on the roti or something do you know what I mean <laughs> but yeah. um how do you so going back to nutrition in general is like you you did used to eat meat before 2011 yeah and then transitioned into vegetarian and then took the next step to becoming vegan in 2015 right that's correct um, though <laughs> <no. laughs> thank you thank you um how how did how did you feel you were training before 2011 as well so how did you feel like um lifting and stuff while eating meat do you think and how was the initial transition from meat eating to vegetarian and how do you think that affected your performance um yeah so i i I ate meat for most of my life Uh, and the initial years i mean i've done some pretty crazy things and i still tell people about it today where uh it's just things i picked up from my doctor so I've done the whole chicken breast thing. I've done the whole chicken breast and, you know, dry pasta and broccoli. And yeah. I've done the whole standard diet. I've even done tuna shakes, believe it or not. So uh, just getting tuna out of a can and blending it with water and drinking that for protein. That does you know? not sound but, nice <laughs> at all. <laughs> I've been to those extremes. And, uh, you know, initially it was it, it was difficult to become vegetarian. Uh, it, it, we're talking about a time where it wasn't big, you know, being vegetarian. Yeah and you know there just there wasn't many options i i recall going on a few uh europe trips where the options were fries literally like there was yeah, there was yeah. no burgers in mackies or there was just literally nothing available they said you know they can give me a cheeseburger and take the take the take the beef out you know that kind yeah. of thing um it it was probably easier to go from vegetarian to vegan than it was to initially um you know as an omnivore to vegetarian it, it was difficult in those days um i say those days like i'm talking about years and years and years ago but, <laughs> um it just you know the whole the whole plant-based thing or the whole vegan thing was it was nowhere near as big then yeah um you know now we've got aisles and supermarkets dedicated to it and you've got shops dedicated to it and you've got social media pages that just literally only post when a new product is out in a supermarket or now you've even got you know huge um kind of meat product based companies like yeah. bird's eye and um a few others which Corn. which are which are making making plant-based products you know yeah, that's yeah. that's unheard of that was unheard of when i turned vegan you yeah. know they they were still you know they had their separate aisles and stuff and now you you can actually go into the aisle where the meat is and the sausages are and there'll be a, a separate vegan part you know where you can actually get vegan sausages made by the same companies like uh oh, i might butcher this yeah, it's it's uh, just gone from my mind, but, but there's Bird's a Eye is a classic example. Yeah, Bird's yeah. Eye is a classic, classic example, and that's uh, we're talking about less than a year. It, they've been out less than a year. That's it, and not just like um, not just like uh, food like um, like that either. Like takeaways and restaurants, like you've got mm. McDonald's, you've got KFC have their v- vegan burger. I'm pretty sure Burger King have a uh, vegan burger. You've got Subway, Greg's, like it it isn't. So it isn't like um, alien to go into somewhere now and have a vegan option, whereas 
a couple of years ago. Choice. Yeah, exactly. A couple you, of years ago, it was it was really hard. Like even as a vegetarian, like my my mum's vegetarian, so when we ever go out, we have to sort of be conscious of like um or like that. But uh, over the years, it's became like so much easier. Like my favorite re- restaurant is uh, Wagamama's, and they're probably one of the best places to go because the, everything on their menu basically has a vegetarian slash vegan counterpart. Yeah. Chicken katsu curry is my uh, <laughs> my choice when I go. It's like my, if I could have one meal for the rest of my life, it would just be that. <laughs> but then sure. there's like a there's a vegan version of that as well, which is like it's so convenient now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, where was that? That wasn't a thing five years ago. I could tell you that Definitely much not, because yeah. you know initially it was tough. Um, and you, you see it when you go to a supermarket. That's that's kind of the best way I I, I like to describe it. I mean, I waited, I think I waited two years for them to make a, a vegan salad cream. That salad cream was one of my favorite things when, when, I, was, when I was vegetarian and when I was omnivore. Um, I had to wait, I think, two years when I turned vegan just for them to make a, uh, a free-from version, which, which didn't contain egg and didn't contain dairy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, slowly and steadily, things just came and they came and they came. And now it's a case where you can't keep up. Honestly, you can't keep up. You just support for choice. And initially, Bell Up and Light was like, you know, now Greg's has got a new, you know, sausage roll. Let's go there. Yeah. And now yeah. this has got this. Let's go there. Tesco's got this. Let's go there. But now it's just literally these pages on on social media just posting new things every single day where you are just literally sport for choice. So it's like this whole market's developed and 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 all of that, which is great. Um, you know, it's great. Like you said, it's it's more convenient when you're going out. You know. So what um what did actually spark your initial change from being like a carnivore to an omnivore um in 2011 so just to vegetarian first and then what was the further spark that changed to to go to vegan um so when i was eating meat i could we, we used to have this uh subject in uh six form uh, coming back to six form again it was it was quite <laughs> a transformative period uh, of yeah. my life probably the best years of my life as well so I don't know if you remember general studies. Yeah, yeah. So what we were told about general studies quite early on is basically universities don't even look at it. So yeah. automatically our mindset was just forget it in it. <laughs> I'm not interested. Like, basically like a free we, period. We, it's a free period. So <laughs> we, we were just there to mess around and have a laugh and, and that kind of thing. Um, which is quite convenient, to be honest, because if you actually look back at general studies and what it was, right now i think i wish i paid attention because it was super interesting you know yeah you're having all these kind of ethical debates and 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 uh i remember once uh, one lesson where we were i think we sat down to watch like one of these farm videos maybe based on mcdonald's how they treat the animals right and i just couldn't look at the screen like i thought mm-hmm. this is just insane like i mean so much chicken but I just can't look at the screen. I can't find myself to look at the screen. I think it's disgusting what they're doing, you know. And I thought that was a bit hypocritical. That's where it kind of just sparked in my head, where like that's a bit hypocritical, you know. If I'm eating so much and um, this is something I want to do and it's something I need to do for protein and whatnot, I should be cool with if if not killing it myself, at least you know seeing how it's done and understanding the process. But I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I do it. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it was initially just um, an in in family kind of thing where, uh, you know, my brother just said, oh, like, I, "I bet you can't stop eating meat. I just bet you can't." 
Yeah, he's yeah. already been staring for a few years there at that point. And um, I was like, okay then, challenge accepted, you know. And <laughs> it, was, it was like a bit of a, a bit of a dare between pros. That's all it was, essentially. Um, and I just never ate meat since. Fair enough, fair play. Like and, uh, I, I know a lot of people who have seen similar videos, myself included. I've tried, like, I've tried being vegetarian. I haven't made. I've not tried being vegan for a while, but I've. Um, I have had periods where I've been vegetarian over the years, uh, even like this year for like a few months at a time. I feel personally, it's just like it's a. Um, it's just like a detox sort of style as well for me. Like just getting like I feel like a lot hulker. I don't feel like a don't feel as lethargic when I'm vegetarian more more most of the time I end up eating healthier because I, I just pay more attention to what I'm eating if that makes yeah. sense like, instead of yeah, just having that. general chicken or cooking like having a chicken tiki or something uh, for lunch I'll end up like doing uh, having like dal sabji and most of the time that's just more halka in the first place it's got a lot yeah. more fiber and you, you just feel like a lot more rejuvenated um yeah um and then yeah I'll, I understand that yeah. How did you transition from? Uh, so, what was the spark from uh, vegetarian to vegan? Because surely, if you're if you're doing it from an ethical point of view, there's not really much. Is there much difference, but, uh, other than dairy? Uh, not really, to be honest. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is it is mainly just dairy, and eggs, depending on which type of vegetarian you are as well. Right. Um, okay. But I don't know if there was like a specific spark. There was definitely uh, documentaries and books and a period of learning and a period of um, maybe being being made aware of, of, of what was going on. I think that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of began to think that if I'm not okay with the animals being killed for me, um, maybe I'm also not okay with the caging and the way they're treated as well, you know? Right. And, um, yeah, I would say that was a, that was the kind of the main driver, really. It was just the kind of the ethical side of it as well as uh, knowing some of the environmental impacts as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was something that I wanted to be kind of a long-term decision. So it definitely wasn't a case of, you know, you watch one documentary and that's it. Ugly then, you know? Yeah, you yeah. Just, you know, I'm adamant I'm not gonna do it because that, that becomes quite short lived, I feel. If it's if it's emotion driven, I feel like it's quite short lived. And when you find yourself in a situation where I don't know, you've got some forever Roche lying around or something, you're just probably gonna think to look nobody's looking, you're not going to dig let's just um let's just eat. I think that works time. for anything, not just being vegetarian or vegan. I think that's most diets go like that as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. On, absolutely. on a strict diet, and then they just see like a little piece of chocolate, and they're like, "Oh, one piece won't hurt." <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> that's 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 why I, I I didn't want it to go that way, and I didn't want you know these these creeping things of you know maybe from having Greek yogurt, and maybe from still eating on day I'll be fine. You know, I didn't I didn't really want that. I wanted to fully understand what I'm getting myself into. Um, I still remember like I'm a, I'm a massive fan of whiteboards. I've got like a huge one over there. Mm-hmm. I remember putting on my whiteboard like. 40 or 50 different meal ideas just in case I would ever get stuck right so whenever I would get stuck and be unsure of what to eat I just refer back to this whiteboard where it would say you know I can have quinoa with you know some soy variety curry you know that kind of thing yeah just just 40 or 50 different meals that if if I would ever be stuck and unsure of what to eat and rather than reverting back to what I knew with um I was a big fan of even when I was vegetarian so um 
rather than reverting back and failing and being unsure and not getting enough protein and eventually giving up, I'd, I'd always find myself kind of with this list of things that I can eat and some ideas. Um, so I, I made sure it was a slow transition and eggs and honey were the last things to go. Right. Um, no, I find dairy quite easy, to be honest. Like even in, even in 2015, there was soy milk everywhere. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't the level of dairy replacement that there is now. Like now, it's crazy. You can get, you can get yogurt, you can get Greek yogurt, you can get ice cream of any flavor. You can get some of your favorite ice lollies, even like you can get Magnums and all sorts. I don't um, know Magnums. It's vegan. Yeah, there's, there's there's all sorts. There's absolutely. Does uh, Halo Top do vegan, uh, vegan style? Um, uh, I believe so. I'm not. I'm not really massive on desserts and ice creams but right, okay. I, I think i've seen it in, on the shelves yeah okay it's just because i know that's one of the like more uh fitnessy style based ice cream products uh, all right extremely niche because um, i'm pretty sure they have like a lot of protein in that ice cream so that's that, that's how they push, push yeah that. it's funny it, it's funny you mentioned that because i saw a funny meme the other day where um, i think it was talking about protein cookies yeah and uh, <laughs> it was a recipe for a protein cookie and what they said was Eat your favorite cookie. Like literally, it doesn't have to be a protein one. Just eat your favorite cookie that you enjoy. Just have one. Yeah. And then also have a protein shake. That's Done. It. <laughs> I've seen like, that. I think you posted that on your Insta story, I think, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I might have shared it because I just found it hilarious. But it's like there's, there's this whole market that's emerged which wants to combine the both and then yeah. sacrifice the taste of the thing that you want to enjoy in the first place. It's like, why don't you just enjoy some ice cream if you want it and then make sure you're eating enough protein across the day, you know? It's, uh, it's quite funny. That's it. That's it. So, staying on the protein topic, um, how what is your main sources of proteins, and how many like calories or and um, how much protein do you intake a day? Because um, seeing your physique, which is obviously like on Insta and stuff, you're, you're not exactly a small lad now. Uh, is is like you were once were where you might have not needed as much protein back then. You, I imagine, you need quite a bit of protein, um, which would be a lot of soya beans or a lot of chickpeas or how do you supplement that uh, to get um, to get the protein you need? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that. I mean, I'm still, I, I feel like I'm still, you know, small. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still feel it just depends on you, which, which circle of people you're talking to, right? Yeah. Um, it's all relative. But, yeah, absolutely. It's all relative. Yeah. Um, in terms of protein, there's my, my biggest uh, source is probably like tofu, if I had to put a you know put a number in in terms of what's my biggest source that's probably the number one source or, or let's just say soya in general because i do have probably about a liter or so of soy milk a day um so there's there's extra firm tofu which is high in protein um there's just there's there's so many different things now you, you can you can supplement on top of your protein with with the different powders so you can get blends of pea protein and you can get you know bean-based proteins in there you can get rice protein and etc cetera, etc cetera. so i don't feel like it's much of an issue anymore to to get your protein uh, as a vegan um and and on the topic of like supplements you, you like supplement it with shakes and powders sometimes do you use any other supplements for um anything training in general like i know uh, you spoke uh, previously about like creatine because it's one of the most like scientific based research based mm -hmm. like um supplements is there any other ones that you you like <laughs> uh yes yeah, so 
creatine is a fantastic one not only for strength but you know there's 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 new research coming out all the time about creatine i, th- I believe i read something the other day about and uh, linking it with you know reduced risk of dementia of, of all things yeah so as well like um, cognitive um cognitive yeah function. yeah yeah absolutely so you know i mean to be honest you had me at strength you know <laughs> if <laughs> yeah. it's going to help me increase my bench press by 5 kilos over 12 weeks or whatever you know 6 months even you've you've got me i'm i'm a, <laughs> I'm, a i'm a customer i'm a believer for life um when 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 they're actually looking into it they're finding all sorts not only for the elderly but for females also and it's helping cognitive function and it's doing this and it's doing that you know it's it's incredible so i believe there's more uh research on that as a supplement compared to anything else uh, maybe caffeine is up there close with that as well mm-hmm. um so caffeine creatine um for creatine a lot of people take it oils as well. sorry uh, for for ca- caffeine a lot of people take it like uh, pre workout but uh, alongside mm. their pre workout but it doesn't need to be done like that does it so from i don't know if i've read um like the correct source here but doesn't it take a few days to settle into the body anyway so you need to continuously have it is that that. is that caffeine you're talking about uh creatine 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 um so so your so your body has a as a store right It, it needs to be saturated into the cells essentially um i wouldn't say it's like it's definitely something that works on accumulation so yeah. you need to have it in your system and you need to keep topping it up but i wouldn't say you know i wouldn't worry about taking it as part of my pre workout and then it not impacting me yeah, um, yeah. there's there's a big kind of thing about when should you have it pre workout or post workout and some people swear by taking it post workout because they're topping up the lost creatine from your session right. to be honest i've just never given any thought to it i think people like to overanalyze a lot of things in in the fitness game and so long as you're taking 5 grams a day um kind of with or without a loading phase i don't believe that's relevant it's 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 all good you're good to go as long you're as you're going to get in the long term as long as it's in the system in the long term and, and the interesting thing about creatine is vegans and vegetarians get the best results from it because uh there are dietary sources of creatine available but they all tend to be animal based products right so because we're 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 essentially like a, a dry sponge ready to soak up the water in, in in that respect because we're not getting any or if we are it's next to zero in terms of dietary sources of creatine so when we're supplementing it it's just absorbing it and it's basically creatine is 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 a uh, pretty much an essential supplement for vegans and vegetarians and they get the, actually get the best out of it as well because we're not getting any dietary sources that is that is very interesting very interesting um and so is there any other supplements other than creatine and uh, and caffeine that you have or are they the two like staples that you you they're the, they're the two staples um i'll throw in other things like you know we're getting quite specific here for the strength game but uh citrulline malate i will take i will take beta alanine that's part of my kind of pre workout concoction yeah uh i will take vitamin d probably year round but especially in these months these 6 months Uh, especially with covid um like uh, I, d- i don't know if you've seen like all the stats and yeah. all that but obviously with bame communities uh, a lot of happen over because of the uh, pigment in our skin we don't exactly absorb as much sun and being in england yeah. we're not getting that much sun anyway yeah uh, exactly so yeah for us like it's 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 really important in vitamin d i mean it, yeah 
I, I agree with that 100%. It's, it's, it's necessary for everybody, but especially people with darker skin tones, just because, like you said, it's the pigments, right? Um, and also, we're, we're used to far more sun exposure. So back where we're from, we're, we're just used to so much. And, and now, like you said, we're not getting anywhere near as much. So uh, deficiency rates are super, super high. Um, it's, it's, it's why they try to fortify so many different types of foods with vitamin D. So if you look at, you know, sometimes I've, I've even seen, I want to say I've even seen orange juice with fortified with vitamin D. I've seen cereals like uh, your bran flakes and your Weetabix most likely are fortified with vitamin D and the soy milk that I has is fortified. And, you know, there's, there's lots of foods that are fortified because they know that people are deficient and not getting enough, you know? Yeah. I didn't know that to be honest. That, that is, um, that's crazy. Yeah, I've seen like uh, obviously with the the COVID because of COVID and more research being done on um like vitamin D and things to seeing that or like more not research but more stats coming out that previous mm. research. Yeah, I've also um, seen I've seen some of the headlines as well where uh, you know people getting affected by COVID have super low levels of vitamin D and I think we have to be a little bit um I don't want to say skeptical but you have to be a little bit looking at that you know in a, in a slightly different light because. Most people on the planet, if I'm not mistaken, and most people in the UK are definitely vitamin D deficient. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's what I was going to say. Like from previous years, they found that people who live in like um, uh, what what's the term, metropolitan cities, I think that's the term, like big cities like London or yeah. like New York and things like that, um, they often have like really reduced vitamin D because they're just sitting inside most of the time in offices, or you've got skyscrapers just blocking out the sun most of the time. Sure. So it's like, uh, like most that's including Gory as well. Like not just not just people of brown or black or whatever color, but like white people as well, just because they're just not getting exposed to the sun. So sure. it's like a, an overall problem, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's it's definitely a big problem in the Western world. I mean, I'm not going to claim to know the world's statistics on it, but you know, I know I know it's a big problem in the Western countries, especially for people with darker skin, skin tones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you don't necessarily go with like a if it fits your macros type of approach to dieting either do you, you go more so for calories and protein i'd argue it's kind of a similar thing right okay yeah. okay good so if it, if, it, if it fits your macros is great like having that type of approach um it's got its downsides like you can uh, i've seen some popular youtubers eat basically corn cake and protein shakes all day for six meals a day. And yes, they made up their macros, but it just, you know, it kind of comes back to that thing about levels, right? It depends on the goal. It depends on what level people are at, you know, it should every single person in the general population be eating super restricted and counting every single gram of protein and every single macro. No, and yeah. I don't, I don't really encourage, um, you know, my clients or, or anyone to do super, super, you know, detailed and making sure that you can get every gram of, of the macros. Um, like you said, there's there's a bit of a focus for me on calories and protein because that's that's the level where you're hitting, you're kind of ticking off most things, you know? And if you're ready to move things to the next level, like you feel like you've got a good grasp of calories and protein, you've got to remember everyone's at a different level, right? Mm -hmm. And if, if I'm expecting coaching from somebody and I've got my understanding of, of nutrition, um, maybe I would be okay with tracking all different types of macros, you know? But most people don't really have a good sense of what they're eating. So just just telling them to try and track their calories and try to be aware, a little bit more aware of 
what they're actually eating and how many calories are in there. That's quite a big step up for them already. So I think there's definitely a thing of trying to keep things as simple as possible for people, which which has seen success for some of the people I work with. Um, you know, then you nicely layer in different things. So if they get the calories right and you know you explain calories and protein initially, that's that's usually my approach. Um, when they get down with that and they want to take things to a further level, then you can begin to introduce things like a fiber goal. Right. Because what, what I usually say to my clients is you can you can meet your calorie requirements and your protein goals. I wouldn't say easily, but it's 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 doable, you know. It's not like you don't have to really restrict yourself from what you're what you enjoy eating, you know. You probably just need to be a little bit more mindful of the protein sources and maybe eating a little bit more yogurt and uh, eating, you know, taking in some more protein shakes and having some more tofu and that kind of thing. Um, but it's it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world. It's not like a strict diet, right? Yeah. Um, but some people want to take it for a little bit further. So if they are a little bit more health conscious and they want to take things a little bit further and they get the whole calories and protein thing, I think introducing a fiber goal is a really good idea because if somebody's also meeting their fiber goals, I can already be certain they're eating plenty of seeds, they're eating plenty of vegetables, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas, like I mentioned with those YouTubers, uh, you know, it's you can meet your macros eating cakes and protein shakes. It is, it is kind of possible, but like we said, it's it's we're talking about kind of different things here. Where uh, we also need to consider health. You know, a lot of people are doing fitness. The vast vast majority of people are doing fitness for the health. You know, um, so there's there's levels it, when we're talking kind of specifically bodybuilding and physique and things can get quite extreme. But I think the vast majority of people are not in it for that. They just want to get a little bit leaner. They want to get stronger. They want to gain a bit of size. You know. And, and most importantly, there's there's a backbone of health there, which I think sometimes goes a bit missing. Definitely, yeah. I think yeah, most people do just want to get generally healthy, and if they can, mm. if they can get better in lifting or just mobility for some people, like everyone's got different goals. Yeah, um, absolutely. So going back slightly to when you mentioned that you've seen documentaries and things when you were going vegan, you might be able to tell where this question is going with a big documentary that was released on Netflix this year. Um, what were your sort of thoughts on Game Changers? I know it's it's one of them things that got a lot of like publicity, but also there was a lot of debate around it afterwards. Um, when I was watching it, it did seem more like an advertised than an informative documentary. Um, but I want to I want to know what your take is on it from from being vegan beforehand, knowing the benefits already. What uh, what was your take on that documentary? Um, if I'm honest, I've gone back and forth. Right. <laughs> I mean, for me, uh, I I kind of like to. If I had to categorize myself as a PT, and you know, I would probably put myself in kind of like the evidence based category now. I definitely don't have the degrees and the masters and the PhDs of some people also in that category, but it's, it's my passion to try and basically tell people evidence-based stuff and tips and, and, and facts. I literally had a, a social media page just dedicated to looking through the journals, looking through the books and, and posting fitness facts, you know, yeah. um, it's something I'm incredibly passionate about. And I think that, you know, if if there's a if, the way I used to see it was if there's a lot of people giving out information that isn't necessarily correct or, or maybe they're adding their own masala and that kind of thing, I wanted to be 
you know, definitely somewhere where people could ask a question or uh, somewhere where people could rely that I'm going to do a little bit of research before I put out some information, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to have, you know, nimble bunny in the morning and then notice that my six pack turns to eight and then start bragging about nimble bunny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to think of myself as someone who, sure i do things myself and i test on myself and i test on my clients and that kind of thing but ultimately if it's if it's based on the research i'll put it out and i think it's it's good to share good information um so with game changers there was a lot of stuff that was overhyped um having said that it's a i kind of saw it as a bit of a response to to years and years of people putting vegans and vegetarians down all the time and you can't perform and you can't be an athlete it's impossible then you know you hear that arnie arnie joke in in one of the movies where he's like you hit like a vegetarian and that kind of thing and um, he was in the he was in the documentary as well so yeah that's a, exactly that's a so, total opposite opinion now <laughs> yeah exactly so you know people's views change and you know finance has a big role to play there you know um but you know so the point I was trying to make and why I went on that big kind of uh, explanation there is because coming from a viewpoint of being evidence-based, there's a lot of things that I, you know, they just, they just raise alarms at me when, when I'm seeing it on the documentary, when I was watching it live and when I look back at it and when I've read reviews on the documentary and when I've read the responses to those reviews, you know, I've been through this whole loophole really. Yeah. Um, there are things that massively kind of raise uh, the red flag for me when they're talking about, you know, things like performance and whatnot in that documentary. Um, having said that, from the more emotional side of it and the more I know what it's like to be vegan and to have everything like, well, you don't eat anything. And, you know, it's a bit of a response to those to those uh, situations, to those people, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I've gone kind of back and forth, but ultimately I think it's, I think, I think you shouldn't be getting your nutrition information from documentaries or, you know, it, it shouldn't be the case. Unfortunately, it is the case. Um, but not everybody is gonna is gonna take the time to do the research like yourself and get fully invested in, um, and to see if everything is right. Some people will just take it on face value. Well, yeah, look, I think the, the majority will take it on face value, mm-hmm. um, which I think is like the. It's not the. Uh, it's not really a problem. It's just the way that things are. Do you mean not it, everyone it, it, will have yeah, the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent, which is why like, I I don't want to say it's my duty to put out the right information, but um, I think, you know, trying to influence people to consume less animal products, respectable. I rate that, you know, yeah. doing so that there's a big ethical debate about this where what about if you're doing so via lying basically, (laughs) but then saying the lie is justified because you're doing the greater good, you know, there's a big ethical debate about that and I'm not entirely sure where I stand on that, but from my evidence-based kind of PT uh, methodology or that's kind of my philosophy, right? So I couldn't see myself doing that. I, well, I just wouldn't do it. I haven't done it. I've, I've helped people reach their goals regardless of what their diet, dietary you know, preference is. Um, so do you still make nutrition, nutrition plans for people who consume meat as well as people who don't? I do. Right, okay. because as a as a pt my job is to help somebody get literally Anybody. to help them yeah. get results is to help them get gains you know um if i see something is really 
over the top and extreme. I would definitely point them out to, you know, maybe we could reduce this consumption a little bit because of, you know, X, Y, Z. Maybe it's not the best thing for long-term health, you know, just, just similar, similar things like, that. like red meat, for example, you know, yeah, I, I'll definitely point out some facts, um, but it's not my job to sit on a Skype call with somebody and, and convince them to be vegan or, or I'm not working with you. That's not what I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my it's my duty is a PT. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If 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 some don't get me wrong, if somebody approaches me for help with the transition, because I have worked with clients who say, "Look, you know, I've I've been eating meat this long, blah blah blah. I've watched this, I've read this. Uh, you know, I've read some of the stuff that I've you've put out in in terms of some of my writing. I you know, I want to I want to move into, you know, vegetarian. I want to move into vegan. Can you help me do that? I have helped people do that and I've have helped people transition, but yeah. that's not like a sole thing of what I offer because I, I do know of PTs and online coaches who basically say it's vegan coaching. It's vegan online coaching. Um, so I, I'm not exclusive to just vegans. Uh, my duty as a PT is to help people get gains, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then as the documentary sort of like uh, highlight of performance, um, I want to like pivot from nutrition to performance now, uh, if that's okay. okay. So, um, what like so y- you train quite early in the mornings. I don't know if that's the same during lockdown or not. But when uh, when everything was normal, you used to train at like half four, five ish or something in the morning. Yeah, it used to be five o'clock. Um, right. Just just because of preference, not because it's. I know people listening are probably thinking, okay, is that thing does this? Yeah, but um, it's not because it's more optimal. It's not because it's better for fat loss or anything like that it's just because that's that's when i could fit in that's when there was no distractions that's when i can get home and still see basically everybody else waking up so there's 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 no responsibility at that time 100 there's no distraction at that time and i just liked getting it done before the day i just liked it that's it like i know the rock is a big advocate of that as well i don't know if like you know like his he frames it as like the anchor you just get it done it's out of the way me and my brother last year probably spent a few months maybe three or four months trying it out um and it was going really well to be fair i think it it was just one of them things where like one day i missed my alarm like three months into it and then the next day i ended up missing my alarm as well and then started going back into the evenings but the times that we were going in the morning like i was going before uni and stuff and um he was going before work and the days at uni in that period i could seem like productivity levels were just so much higher because i've got the the training out of the way i feel so much more energized i've I've done my workout sort of thing so i do um i have tried it out and i do think it is really good i just couldn't sustain it long term unfortunately (laughs) that's the key thing you hit the right word um it's it's it it, fitness kind of just comes down to what you can sustain so we were we were kind of talking about diet we were talking about different approaches we're talking about macros we're talking about calories and protein it comes down to what you can sustain so if you're looking to lose some pounds if you're going on a lettuce diet you know (laughs) i've I've heard some pretty crazy stuff you know but if you can't sustain it for more than a couple of days just forget about it you know it it has to be something that you can sustain and and the same thing goes for workouts and timing your timing your workouts what time you're training it's pretty irrelevant it's it's next to zero you know I'm, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's zero to be perfectly honest with you i think it's um, like the thing that we were saying before was that people always go to like um the the minute details where they're, they're not focusing on the foundation mm. it's like um 
like you do hear the argument of like if you weight training you should do it in the evening because you're more full but all of my sessions I prefer have always been in the morning so like when I'm at uni and I have three when when I was at uni and um had three periods in the morning I'd always train in the morning just because I feel less lethargic for me the having being full for weightlifting was me being lethargic whereas in the morning I was empty so I might not have as much energy but I was way more like um well I had did have more energy because I wasn't lethargic yeah which was um but that's just again it's just preference um absolutely and the the sort of training style that you do is that because you're trying to transition into well pre-covid you were trying to transition into like powerlifting am I correct um I've always been into strength, but you're pretty much right in that. That was it. It became more and more my goal. Yeah. Right. Is that um? Well, um, is that still the goal if we can get back into into gyms for the foreseeable or at the moment? What? How? How's your training going at the moment? Yeah, it's still my goal. Yeah, I'm. I'm just kind of interested in trying to push my strength to the to the highest level it can be. Yeah. Um, at any cost. So if I go full dad bod, dad bod mode in, in, in order to do so, I'm perfectly fine with that. Which, um, in honesty, like sometimes I think maybe I just couldn't do before. Um, but Why yeah, so? I'm kind of I'm kind of fully invested in just trying to push my numbers as, as high as they can go. Why do you think you uh, weren't able to do that before? Um, as in dad bod style. Um. Maybe you think, uh, maybe kind of uh, subconsciously, I thought work or business or the image is kind of related with with how lean you are. Mm-hmm. That's that that tends to be a thing with coaches. Do you feel that um, pressure? Not anymore. Right. <laughs> not anymore. And maybe that's because you're established. You know, I don't. I, I I can't really give you an answer there, but it's definitely kind of a requirement of in this kind of image based. Um, generation can we say that it's an image yeah generation. yeah, yeah. Um, well, especially with social it, media yeah it, it definitely is a requirement right like i feel like uh someone i kind of respect lane norton was talking about this as well like he tried to launch a new supplement company i believe that's what he was talking about and he said people just didn't take him seriously because his body fat percentage was like 25 percent, you know and he's been on natural bodybuilding stages before he's yeah. been like straight absolutely shredded but he said he had to get lean. He, he, I was watching one of his videos where he said he had to kind of um, start a diet and get lean again just so that people would take him seriously and actually see that he's in shape. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just putting out a ton of content at 25% body fat and people just not taking him seriously like who is this guy, you know? Because again, it comes down to that generational thing of if, if you haven't been on Instagram and seen Lane Norton, you know, Lane Norton's quite an old school guy, you know? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Know, if, I don't know if you're aware of him, but... Uh, um, um, He's oh. someone that I used to read about in the magazines when I was beginning, you know. Right. Okay. So he's been around, and for for the for the kind of newer generation, uh, um, you know, the people who are going to be buying the programs and buying the supplements and and uh, following on social media, they probably ain't got a clue who he is. But because it's it's the image based thing, like the Instagram is probably not popping with, you know, pose after pose after pose. So um, I guess no. people do kind of change. Uh, to meet the requirements of the following, the audience. Um, it, it is quite an image-based industry, you know, of course. Definitely is. Like one of my mates was um, 
it what is a PT as a gym up uh, up in here at Newcastle when he was um basic when he was PT and early on there was a PT um that used to work with him really good friends and all that and the other PT didn't look as aesthetically pleasing shall we say um in a in a sort of like nice way I guess but his knowledge was right up there like ridiculously high but my friend being more aesthetically pleasing, really big guy, sort of lean and all that stuff, would always get more clients. And yeah. it's just it is just one of them things where like you, you sort of your perception is always gonna be, I wanna look good, so I need to go to someone who looks good. Yeah, that's just the way it works. It's yeah. just kind of one of the realities of it. Um, but saying that, like because you're going at you want to go into strength and powerlifting, have you ever competed in any bodybuilding? Because genetically, like you are quite gifted when you've leaned down on a few of the photos on your page like you do have like the good ab structure you've got the broad shoulders quite defined chest and all that like you you do look like you could very easily go on to a bodybuilding stage as well i appreciate that um no i just don't really have an interest in it if, if i'm completely honest uh not much more to say there i'm just not that right. interested in it Fair enough. In terms of physique, I think you know, I've I've focused on it for years and tried to build muscle for for years, and I thoroughly enjoy the training aspect of it. Bodybuilding or physique or kind of fitness modeling or that kind of stuff is just not very appealing to me. I, I kind of, I kind of think you need the performance to back it up. I think that's that is what fitness is to me. Yeah. Um. I mean, don't get me wrong, I fully get the art thing. I don't know if you can see that Arnold. Arnold uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually a drawing. Oh, okay. I, I get the art aspect. I, I did art. Yeah. I, I get the whole thing. I, I, I absolutely do. Um, it's just not something that I would consider or, you know, enjoy. Every every kind of competitive thing I've done has been uh, strength-related. Uh, yeah. I've done local strongman competitions. I've done so, you know, kind of like standard Gondora benching competitions and pull-up competitions and um, that kind of thing, just to kind of, um, you know, try and support community and try and support uh, the Gondora doing their thing and try and encourage other operators to get into the fitness scene. Yeah. Um, all for that kind of stuff. Um, I I mean, the, the reality is, like you said, um, genetically this and genetically that, uh, bodybuilding is a very, very different thing. <laughs> probably not as genetically gifted as you think for bodybuilding and in order to um to make it in bodybuilding there's there's a lot of extra things that need to be done which i'm not into again so Fair enough. um yeah i i would keep things strength-based if, if i was to compete again yeah fair enough um so at the moment, I, I've seen on your Instagram as well um, that um, I think this was obviously pre-lockdown, but you were hitting um, a few PBs, but they all seem to be in like a high rep range. Well, not high rep range, but like you were doing, I think, 40 dumbbells for 10s and I think 160 squat for five. But like obviously in powerlifting, everything's just like, what's your one biggest lift? Have you, have you tried to see where that is? um already or or not uh, i have so it, it just kind of comes down to the the phase of training i'm in so right. the the phase of training that you saw and you mentioned that was kind of you know your 
you're quite away from your test or your your competition so it's it's a period where you're just trying to increase your muscle mass you know so there's there's higher reps there's less strength bungay as i like to call them yeah um but yeah the, the program also does include periods where you do come in and test and you you peak up your strength in order to reach this pinnacle and and then you do test your wonder maxes and um do you mind sharing what what they are uh yes so my squat is 180 kilos uh i think i weighed um i want to say about 80 about 80 kilos about 80 kilos um when i did that and that's with a high bar um a deep squat that is so for everyone who doesn't know in, in powerlifting you have to reach parallel or below mm-hmm. um bench press with a pause on my chest with 125 kilos that's my best which was during lockdown actually and uh, my best deadlift is 235 kilos which is pre-lockdown so pre-lockdown was when things were great big numbers though. yeah pretty pretty have good you, it's come it's, it's come you, a long way that's for have sure. you seen where you would slot in into a competition if you were to enter one like uh whether it be like uh, regionally or nationally, have you been keeping up to like competitions to see like um, I would rank here on, on this one or whatever? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I, it's kind of one of the things that I regret doing, to be honest, because it became a thing for years where, you know, I, I wouldn't feel worthy unless I was top three, you know? So, <laughs> right. so I just didn't want to enter a competition until I knew I was top three. That's kind of the wrong mindset to have. And looking back, I would definitely have began a lot earlier mm-hmm. um because it's it, ultimately it's about just improving yourself right I'm, I'm not trying to compare to anybody else um so to, to answer your question yes i have but for years i did that and it was always pretty decent actually um, i've always been quite a light guy you know i've haven't been above 80 kilos uh you know for like years and years and years yeah right now i'm probably the heaviest i've been uh, yeah, lockdown's probably played a part in that as well yeah but also just <laughs> just kind of you know just filling out your frame as well and trying to intentionally put on size yeah but lockdown definitely has played a role um i'm leaning out than i was in the first lockdown that's for sure um and then to so to get into like sort of um the how do i how do i say this the not safety like Basically, just like uh, uh, injuries and pre- injury prevention and long term, so like for powerlifting and things, is there anything that you do for like mobility and stretching and to make sure that you don't get um, like injured? Like, I know obviously, like lifting all this weight will have an immense amount of pressure on your lower back. Um, so, like, how do you sort of get around, around all of that? Uh, good question. So, It's it's something that you need to maintain, you know. It's something that you need to keep regular. It's something that I've multiple times learned the hard way, yeah. Because I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, it kind of worked out nicely with with lockdown, to be completely honest. Because I was having an issue early in lockdown, and even before that, where um, I came to realize by seeing a physio, it was kind of like tight glutes and whatnot. So my lower back kept taking the brunt of everything I was doing, and um, even in simple everyday things like carrying things at home, carrying my son, that kind of thing. So 
a lot of training recently for me has been kind of rehab and working on tight muscles and working on yeah. strengthening weak muscles and that kind of thing. So I, I, I completely, I, I'm basically in that mode right now. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, lockdown is kind of helping in that sense because if I was at gym, I think I'd be a little bit carried away to do something and to try this and to try that. Um, it's something that you just need to do. It's, it's just part of the game, you know. Uh, I was I was definitely doing a lot more when I was interested more in weightlifting. So uh, I went through a period of maybe not knowing what I wanted to do with fitness. And, I'm you know, I've been in, into it a decade. And I'm a little bit bored of just going in and training for muscle. And I'm a bit bored of just training for strength and following the same old programs over and over again. So I just decided to take up like weightlifting style training for a while. And uh, the, the mobility requirements of that is just immense, you know. Yeah. So I was definitely taking care of myself a lot more whilst I was doing that. But there's this kind of perception that when you're, when you're focusing on powerlifting, it's just Brote Kahlo and Bezo and yeah, you know, yeah. five minutes rest between sets. And, you know, it, it, there's this kind of a perception that it's a very lazy way of training. But actually, what I've learned the hard way is the, the, there's still mobility requirements. There's still a fitness requirement, you know. And without those two things, you're just kind of doing yourself a bit of a disservice, really. So I've kind of learned the hard way that, yeah, my cardio still needs work. My mobility still needs work in order to be able to do all these lifts cons- consistently. Yeah. And to kind of push strength to, you know, I don't want to say a ceiling or a potential, but I, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm there yet. So that's that's my kind of immediate thing. I just want to push and see if I can reach some sort of ceiling or I just can keep going and, and let's see. Let's see what I can do. Well, that's it. I think that's like the perfect way to just sum up fitness or the gym in, in general. It's always just like continuous continuous improvement and continuous learning because when you think you've got one thing down there's probably like a little niggle somewhere in the background you're like oh how do i how do i go back and why is that happening uh something else that i need to sort of overcome to get to the next hurdle and then when you get to the next hurdle there's another problem there waiting for you um which is a yeah i think it definitely sums it up quite nicely um and a non-fitness non-nutrition non anything to do with what we've just been speaking about for like the past hour um, sure. I know you're a massive fan of the UFC. Uh, I'm a big fight fan myself. Uh, recently nice. got to speak to um, a martial artist from New York um, on the podcast as well, and we were talking about like MMA and things. Um, who are you? Who 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 do you follow mainly in the UFC? Like, if you had to pick out a, a few fighters, uh, who are you like the biggest fan of? I'd have to say Nate Diaz. I'd have to say Khabib. Right. Um, more recently, even DC, I I absolutely love DC. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe there's I can't believe there's a time when he was actually getting booed all the time. Um, he's just he's amazing. I, I I love the relationship. I don't know if you've seen the videos of DC and Khabib. Yeah, yeah, all the yeah. Funny training videos. I love that. I think they could make their own show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably if I had to put uh, a name to some of my favorites, I'd, I'd have to say it's like Nate Diaz and Khabib. How do you feel about Khabib uh, retiring? Do you think it's gonna? Do you think it is gonna be like a actual retirement, or do you think he might come back into the sport? Just in your opinion, obviously. I was really surprised uh, as soon as I saw him like looking down at his gloves. I was like, no, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> I feel like it's. I feel like it's a bit premature, you know. I think he was really coming into his own. He was coming into his prime. To yeah. be honest, what he did to Gage, he walked him down. It was pretty insane. I'm. I've been waking up to see Khabib versus Tony so many times. I'm just, I'm, I'm really disappointed. It's been cancelled um, quite a few times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember being in India. And um, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive UFC fan. So 
I will enjoy the whole fight week and the whole media. And yeah. I, I, you know, I follow Chell's YouTube and I follow Joe Rogan's podcasts and I follow, you know, all, all sorts of different podcasts and videos leading up to the fight week. So it's like this massive anticipation. But this one time I remember I was in India and I didn't get to see none of the fight week stuff. I, I wasn't really on social media. I wasn't on YouTube watching and, and building up the fight in my head and that kind of thing. But I, I woke up, I knew it was, uh, this is uh, UFC 209. This is, um, I want to say it's 2017, maybe, maybe 2017. Mm. But I, I woke up and I, you know, I Googled the night before what time is it going to be on? And it was, I think it was 7 a.m. in India time. Um, and I was so excited to see yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, it just wasn't on. They mentioned it, the commentators mentioned it. And uh, oh, no. I had to do a quick Google search and they said, yeah, the fight was off. And I don't remember what the reason was, but. I was just shocked because uh, Khabib is something else to watch. And because we've kind of grown up, uh, you know, no, nothing serious, but wrestling's kind of been in the family a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also had a little period of enjoying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Uh, got a little bit of an appreciation for it. And yeah, whatever yeah. he was doing was just crazy, you know. Yeah, what he does to other monster. professional fighters is madness, you know. Like he, the way he just like manhandles and controls every situation was just ridiculous. But maybe the fact that like I understand his reasoning. Obviously, he doesn't want to fight without his dad or anything, and respectable, hundred percent. But um, the fact that he went out on his prime perhaps might cement his legacy even further. Do you know what I mean? Like if if nobody beat him and he went out at the top, then it could be one of them things. But I have a feeling, like a little little inkling that if Connor has some magical re resurgence, gets a title, and then starts mouthing off, and I imagine Connor mouthing off to the extent that he might even mention his dad, because uh, I wouldn't be surprised with Connor doing that with this stuff that he's already said previously. Um, yeah. I have a feeling that Khabib might have to come back and grab his title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just honestly don't know. I think, um, I, th I think it was premature. I think... You know, I was always excited by what his dad used to say, which was, um, we're going to fight Tony. We're going to fight, you know, it, it, at the time, I think he said, Connor, we're going to fight Tony. We're going to fight the welterweight champion. Then we're going to call out GSP. I think that was the that was the order. And yeah. um, I've, I've been a bit disappointed in that respect that um, we just wanted to see the Tony fight. I'm, I'm most disappointed about that. Because of you know I've been excited about it so many times. I mean it's been booked what five or six times now. Yeah, yeah. crazy. And you know it's it's I think it's something that people will only realize in like a generation's time, like twenty years time or something. Because it's the equivalent of you know I don't think anybody would disagree that they're the best two lightweights ever. Yeah. I don't I don't know anybody who disagrees with that. But for some reason when when Tony lost to Gaethje, everybody just wrote him off. Mm despite the 12 fight win streak before that you know yeah yeah so i kind of see it from that point of view where like he had a 12 fight win streak and never got a tower shot that's that's just crap treatment by the ufc you know um but it's also so exciting in terms of styles because what most people do against khabib is you know he's got this aura around him you know and they're so worried about the takedown and then that gasses them out then they're worried about this and that gasses them out. And then they're getting the face smashed in for a whole round. That gasses them out. But you're talking about Tony, somebody with the best cardio in the UFC. He's not going to quit. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't see him quitting. 
But you, yeah. everyone was saying that about Gaethje as well, and it, it sort of went a similar way with him. That he's got I... like ridiculous stamina. He wasn't going to allow Khabib to do his normal game. He was going to go forward. And then in the first couple of rounds, you've seen that, and it just ended up going the same way. I think as fight week gone, I just got more and more confident in Khabib. Yeah. I've, I've never been so confident with Khabib, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I definitely knew the threats. Like my mates just said it's it's a hundred percent win for Khabib, and I said no, no way, it's going to be that. I think I think he will take more damage than he's ever taken, which I think he did. Yeah. Um, especially those leg kicks, they were horrible. I don't think there was, you know, a, f- a few more of them, and we could have had a very different fight. Um, in terms of the pure wrestling, I thought it was really interesting, and it was quite equal to be honest. Yeah. Like whenever they would get up in a clinch situation, Gaethje did very very well. Yeah. It was when. Khabib was doing his standard thing against the fence. There was just no answer whatsoever. Yeah. Um, That's his game, though, isn't it? If he's got you up against the fence, then it's pretty much good night. Yeah, absolutely. And then we all knew, I think, I think we all knew once it was on the ground, it was all over. We've never seen Gaethje's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Even he said, if I get pushed up against the cage or if I get taken down, I'm in a crap position, basically, which, which to me just said, it's Khabib. That's it, yeah. He's pretty much admitted defeat by that point. Um, well, thank you for coming on. I I like to finish off with um, a few quick fire questions, if that's okay. Um, okay. So just like five or six of these, and this should only take like a minute or two. Um, so the first quick fire question is: What are you most proud of? Ooh. They are a bit deep, so I say quick fire question. Everybody <laughs> normally takes the time because they're like, "Oh shit, that was deep." <laughs> yeah, it was deep. Um, accomplishment, probably my degree. I had to go through a lot to get that. Sweet. Um, what's your favourite memory of your career so far? Uh, probably just just features. Some of the features that, that have been, um, whether it's been my protein or whether it's been men's fitness, I think it's, I don't know, there's, there's always a thought that you're not good enough, you know, or you're not worthy of a certain level. So to actually see that you're inspiring some people, and your name's getting out there. I think that's 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 pretty nice, man. It's pretty sweet. Um, what are you most looking forward to? One hundred and forty kilo bench press. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's your biggest motivation? One hundred forty kilo bench press. <laughs> yeah, again, one hundred and forty kilo bench press. <laughs> uh, legit. Legit. Okay. Yeah. Fair play. Um, how did you celebrate your first major success and? As like a, a little two part to that, what was the first major success that you celebrated? Um, don't know how to answer that question. I'd, I'd probably say it was some of the local competitions that I did. Um, I didn't really celebrate. I just went and trained harder. To be honest, um, it's nice to know. It, it it's nice to know that your training's on the right path and you're doing something that's good and. You know, if you're able to compete against other people in a local strongman competition, it, it, albeit it was quite small, um, you know, my fitness had to be on point for it. I had to be pretty mobile for it. I had to be strong for it. Um, so to know that, okay, well, you know, out of a group of 15 people, if I won, then something's, you know, been putting my effort into the right place. You know, I think that's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, the last two. Uh, so what is your definition of success? These are deep, my full quick fire. <laughs> um, 
just achieving what you set out, I guess. Solid, yeah. Yeah. And because um, it's the Culture Cast podcast, how has your culture affected you so far in your journey? Roti remains. <laughs> the roti remains. I think that's <laughs> probably the best answer that I've had. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> roti remains. The roti it, remains. You know, it's for for everyone listening. You know, it is it is the culture podcast. I don't think we need to do anything outside of our our, our culture essentially in order to meet your fitness goals. I think we, we can keep everything in with regards to specific foods and specific um like the Indian cuisine specifically and to make as least changes to that as possible is is probably going to be the most sustainable so if you can include roti in our diets we're just in much better position to actually follow through with our fitness and and actually be sustainable because roti is made at home every day you know I'd, i'd hope so um sustainability really really key yeah keeping routine is helping you think sustainable definitely definitely um yeah again thank you very much for your time um i'll have all of your socials and stuff in the link below and um, is there anything that you want to plug uh just my socials like you said you're going to mention in the description so you can find me on instagram by just typing in azad sync where the i is replaced by number one uh, you can also find me on YouTube by again Azad Singh, pretty much everywhere, just Azad Singh. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone comes out of this lockdown a little bit fitter and a little bit more motivated to achieve their fitness goals and ready for when the gyms are open. 100%. 100%.